and traveled along. He addressed them using this story. A farmer went out to sow his seed and some of it fell on the road. It was trampled down and the birds ate it. Other seed fell in the gravel. It sprouted, it sprouted but withered because it didn't have good roots. Other seed fell in the weeds and the weeds grew up with it and strangled it. Other seed fell in rich earth and produced a bumper crop. Are you listening to this, really listening? His disciples asked, why did you tell this story? He said, you've been given insight into God's kingdom and you know how it works. There are others who need stories, but even with stories, some of them aren't going to get it. Their eyes are open, but they don't see a thing. Their ears are open, but they don't hear a thing. The story is about some of those people. The seed is the word of God. The seeds in the road, on the road are those who hear the word of God, but no sooner do they hear it that the devil snatches it from them so they won't believe and be saved. The seeds in the gravel are those who hear the, with enthusiasm, but the enthusiasm doesn't go very deep. It's only another fad. And the moment there's trouble, it's gone. And the seed that fell in the weeds, well, those are the ones who hear, but then the seed is crowded out by nothing. And not, crowded out, and nothing comes of it as they go about their lives, worrying about tomorrow, making money, having fun. But the seed in the good earth, these are the good hearts who seize the word and hold on no matter what, sticking with it until there's a harvest. Father, we thank you this morning. Pray, God, that as leaders, you'd raise us up, that we'd grow, and that we'd have tenacity in our being so that no matter what, we'd stick with it till the harvest came. Mature us today, Lord. Put us on a path of growth, personal growth of spiritual growth lord we pray that tomorrow would be better than we are today a week from now a month from now a year from now there be improvement in us because you planted the seed lord we pray that the growth cycle would take place to produce a harvest we thank you for it and we have great expectations of it in christ's name we pray and everyone said amen amen are you may be seated one of the things I realized when you talk about personal growth is that I realize it's not a requirement for living. <laughs> Nobody in here is like this, but you run into people every day that you wish had grown up. They're still breathing. They're still eating. They're still consuming space. They're still functioning. They're still fully functioning adults. But at some point in time, they stopped growing. And I realized that personal growth was not a requirement for breathing. You don't have to learn anymore to breathe. It just kind of comes naturally. Oh, if there was a requirement to breathe. <laughs> so oftentimes what happens in our lives is that we can do so much without learning anything else. Do you ever find that true? I read an article one time that said, I think it was 85% of college graduates never read a book after college. So we can keep doing what we're doing. We can keep going and keep, keep living and, and personal growth not actually be a requirement to do anything. We can function. We can, we can do self-checkout at Walmart. 
Actually, I was being really mean one day, and I looked at my wife, and I said, they should put an IQ test before the line starts for the self-checkout. This is ridiculous. This is ridiculous. And then they should also give the computer an IQ test because I'm like, I put the stupid thing in the bag. Stop saying I didn't. Stop saying I didn't. I put it in the bag. I'm looking around like, what? It's, all, it's accusing me of stealing every time I come up. It's saying you didn't put it in the bag. I put it in the bag. I'm looking at the guy at the counter. I'm like, fix it now. I passed the test before I came in the line. The computer's stupid. It's not a requirement. Paul dealt with this even in the churches. He writes to the, uh, the um, in, in Hebrews, he writes that, that he wishes he could explain more stuff to him. Why don't you put that scripture up? He, he writes that, and really what he was talking about before this portion of scripture, he, it wasn't really that complicated of, of a thing, but he, he writes it and he says, I wish I could tell you more, but the issue is Hebrews chapter 5, verse 11. He says, we have much to say about this, but it's hard to make it clear to you because you no longer try to understand. How would you like the Apostle Paul looking at his shoes saying, yeah, you just gave up. You're not even trying to grow anymore. So he said, it's hard to talk to you about it and make it clear because you no longer try to understand. In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need somebody to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. He said, you need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk, still being an infant, is not acquainted with the teachings of, about righteousness, but solid food is for the mature, who by constant use, did you hear that? Constant use. How do you grow up? You do mature things over and over and over again. You start out with your parents start telling you this. Act like you have some sense. Anybody ever remember that? Act like you have some sense. And you go, oh, I'm going to try that today. And then you wake up tomorrow and you try it again. They're like, hey, it's working. You're 12 years old. You're not using a binky anymore. We're so proud. (laughs) Anyone who lives on milk. Being still an infant is not acquainted with the teachings about righteousness, but solid food is for the mature by constant use. Have trained themselves to distinguish from good and evil. I want to present to you, we're not saved just to exist. We're saved to accomplish things. Eternal life is a reward of salvation, but it's not the only end game. Accomplishing God's will on earth, Jesus said, pray like this who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The way God's will gets done on earth is that mature Christians do his will on earth. Amen? God's will happens through you, not in absence of you. And so once you figure out that that God's will happening on the earth requires me as a Christian to take the seed that was planted in me and then begin to mature it means that I can't sit idly by by the wayside just sucking up air and oxygen and space and, 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 and just, just be like, well, I don't really have to grow. No, God is expecting production from our lives. There's parables that Jesus teaches about, a parable of talents. I've entrusted you with this. When I come back, what am I going to get? Don't just hide it. Don't just not grow it. 
but do the necessary things to mature your life and grow to produce a harvest. But the reality is that you don't have to do that to make it in life. You don't have to grow. You can show up at work, and as long as your boss is pleased with you doing the exact same thing you did five years ago, you may still have a job. And we see this in our society over and over again. And the statistics aren't going that, that we're getting smarter. <laughs> now, technology is increasing, and it's doing the work for us, but I would not necessarily say we're getting smarter. Anybody agree with that? I don't care. I'm the preacher. I can say it. I ain't gotten no. It's just, I don't think we're getting a lot smarter. So, the question is posed then, if we are the church and God's will works through us, then there's a mandate for us, even in this story Jesus tells, there's a mandate for us to take what he's poured into us, the word, the seed, and then do something with it. Mature. See the growth cycle take place. And so even though that you, there's no life-sustaining requirement to do this, and you can get away with living life without reading another book, without, without reading through the scripture again. You can, you can get away with it. You can, you can live a ripe old age and, and, and have your grandkids sit on your knee. But, but the issue is not just living, it's living. And you can live without growing, but you can't really live without growing. You can't live the abundant life that God talked about. I came that you may have life and then Je- and life more. Abundantly. How do I get the life more abundantly? That's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for the life without as much worry. I'm looking for the life without as much anger. I'm looking for the life without as much angst. And so can I keep doing what I'm doing and get there, or do I have to do something else? So, so you don't have to grow to live, but you really do have to grow to live abundantly. And that's the differentiation. And, and Jesus is saying this in this thing this story he's talking about i also want to make this um i also want to make this caveat knowing more does not equal growth i get really frustrated with people who who know what i'm doing but don't do what i'm doing you ever run into those they've never done what you do but they've read about it and so you sit down with them you're like they're like, hey, you're doing that wrong. Really? Really? Well, how do you know I'm doing it wrong? Have you ever done it? No, but I read four books about it. All right. Never eat lunch with this guy again. <laughs> it's been a great day, hasn't it? <laughs> I, um, I get really frustrated. You, if you've come here, you've heard me say before, there are certain criteria I have for taking advice from people. The Bible says there's wisdom in the counsel of many. But you have to be careful with the counsel. Because if I want to grow, I want to be around people who are growing. Amen? So, you know, I tell people all the time, I don't take financial advice from poor people. Now, we're laughing about that, but you know every 20-year-old sitting in college is going to do what I should do with my, with my, you know, with the money my grandparents left me. They're like, let's party tonight. Are you kidding me? You're looking around like, you can't even eat at McDonald's. Why would I trust you about what to do with money? 
When it comes to marriage, I, I want to sit in front of people who have great marriages that have been married longer than I have. I don't want to sit, no offense to single people. No offense. But you don't know what it's like for your wife to hate you. You don't know. All the single men, you got no clue. It's not the same with a girlfriend. It's just not the same. I got to come home to the same house. Night after night after. You can go somewhere else. I want to take advice. My wife, she loves me. Hey, by the way, give it up for my wife. She made it one more year. Isn't that awesome? Her birthday was this past week. So, um. But it, it, it does get a little bit frustrating because oftentimes people who know things but don't apply them oftentimes want to give you the most advice, don't they? And, uh, and those can be frustrating circumstances. So I've, I've, I've determined in my life, I don't want to be a person that just knows, but I want to be a person that applies it. James talks about that, about you hear the word, but you don't apply it to your life. It's like a man walking or looking in the mirror at himself and turning around and forgetting what he looks like. It's like, it's not doing any good. And Jesus saying the word was sowed in, but then what they did with the word after it was sown in calls it to grow or not grow. So the seed was sown. That's not the argument, whether you got the seed or not. The the argument was what you did with the seed after you got it. And so if I'm just hearing the word, but not applying it, it doesn't do me any good. If I just read the good book on finance, but then I don't create a budget, it doesn't do me any good. If I just read a book on marriage, but I don't treat my wife any better with the information I know, it doesn't do any good. Looking at her saying, I know I should treat you better, but I'll try it next week, gets me nowhere. Reading about how to be a high achiever, but going to work and sleeping doesn't do you any good. So we're becoming a society with a massive amount of knowledge, but a really hard time applying it. Because there's been no time like now where you can Google anything and be an expert overnight. I hear more people giving people medical advice now than any time (laughs) in the history of the earth. Oh, you got a sniffle. I I think you have tuberculosis. I was reading last night. On, on WebMD, and they said that's the beginning of it, and you should, you should get that checked out, man. No, I was at a doctor yesterday said I had bronchitis. No, you don't. You're dying. Like, I, I read it. I read it. Well, what doctor did you see? Well, I saw my family physician. I'm telling you, I've researched this. I've researched it over and over. And I, I'll walk into conversations like that, and I'll go, really? You're a mechanic. <laughs> I don't know that I'm taking, I'm sorry, I like you, I really do. But I'm not taking medical advice from you. But we're all experts, aren't we? <laughs> so funny, we live in a society with more information than ever and the least amount of application of any generation has come before us. So what do we do about it? Well, the story, the story differentiates between the seed being planted and then what was happened to the seed after it was planted. So you have some that was planted instantly. It didn't even get to take root. Uh, this, the circumstances the people were in, it just got snatched right out from them. So the seed, and this is the word of God, I'm not even applying it. Nobody in my family believes that stuff. I'm not doing it. Nobody at work believes it. I'm not, not even going to give it a shot. 
But then you see the progression start. The seed starts to take root a little bit each time a little bit more. And you see this progression of, of almost like, like the seed was accepted, the knowledge was accepted, and then the level of application determined what happened with it. So the seed is sown. It's accepted. By the way, I know this is a difficult story for us to relate to because you don't walk alongside of the road and throw seed down. Because in America, that would not be your property. <laughs> so in other countries, this is not an uncommon thing. You'll see corn growing right up to the side of the road. You'll see, you'll see people grazing their animals just alongside the road. They don't care whose property it is. They're just walking them alongside the road. Hey, we're walking somewhere if they happen to eat. Like, it's not my fault, right? So they just, they'll, they'll graze animals down on the side of the road. So this would have been a common thing that they would have been used to hearing. Hey, there's a guy walking down along the road. He was throwing seed down. Didn't necessarily have to be, he was just planting his, his cows grazed there. It doesn't matter. So they get to the point, Jesus gets to the point where he starts talking about, hey, this seed kind of took root a little bit, but it was really enthusiastic at the beginning, but when something happened. I want to tell you that personal growth is the key to longevity in your life with anything that you're doing. One of the things that can happen in every scenario is when we start doing it at the beginning, it's always exciting, right? It's just everything's exciting when it first starts. You know what the truth is about church is that uh, I've read statistics say brand new churches, the first five years, there's more salvations in brand new churches. There's more volunteering in brand new churches. There's more giving in brand new churches. First five years. And the, the basis for the story was you should start new churches because the most effective time in a church is often in the first five years for reaching new people. You know what that tells me? That tells me that we get tired of things really quick. That tells me that, that we don't grow along enough to, so when the excitement wanes that we keep doing what brought the excitement in the first place. It's a lot like marriage. Here we go. Put your seatbelt on. So what happens is I don't have to work at all at the beginning. She loves me because I'm who I am. Right? I don't have to. I'm just, I mean, you think putting the cologne on and stuff at the beginning, that's not even work. That's just your routine, right? So all of a sudden then, 10, 15 years into it, the cycle turns and it's work. And then we start asking ourselves, I didn't realize I'd have to grow this much to keep this thing going. (laughs) What happened about you loving me for who I am? Well, you're not who you are anymore. I thought you were going to be somebody that kept growing and you stopped. And so Jesus tells the first, that that is actually the second group. He says, listen, they were really enthusiastic but then something happened. I have a theory that pressure always reveals maturity. Pressure always will reveal maturity in your life. Look at your neighbor and say, if I put pressure on you, I'll figure out if you're an adult or a kid instantly. Go ahead and tell them. Like, I can figure this out instantly. I'm going to get ready to call your mother a name, and we'll see if you're a kid or not. <laughs> right? I'm going to put pressure on you right now. It's true, isn't it? If you pull the binky out of the mouth of a three-year-old, you're going to find out if they're mature or not instantly. You're in Walmart, and you just pull it out. 
because they're not mature enough to handle the pressure of not having what they want. They're not mature enough to handle the pressure of not getting what they want. So what happens in life is, Jesus says, this group of people, the word is absolutely sown into them. It's not the issue. The word is sown into them. But the infatuation or the excitement at the beginning, they didn't grow past that phase. And because they didn't grow past that phase, when they didn't get what they want, when the pressure came on and it wasn't, I'm not doing this anymore. And there was nothing produced. So now we have a problem of a whole generation, of a whole society of people. When the binky gets pulled out, they quit. You're not getting a trophy this year. Well, I'm not playing. You were in last place. I I realized early on when my son was playing baseball that I probably wouldn't be a great coach. Because I'm like, kid, you're terrible. Run. Just keep running and running and running. And if we can make you good at something, but it's not going to be baseball. Maybe we'll just make you run enough to where you become good at running. But this is not. Why are we giving these kids trophies? So I would just, that's not the way I'm wired. I'm like, you're terrible. We're a terrible team. Stop telling it was a good game. Stop telling it. It was a terrible performance and we lost. There's nothing to work up to if you're great all the time. So we're in a society when we pull the binky out, we flip out. It's not happening the way we want. And unless church and the Bible is an infatuating experience all the time, we can't stay. And so when the pressure comes, we figure out the maturity of the believer. The word was sown in just like every other person. The word was sown in. But what they did with it didn't help them when the pressure came. And so it just went away. Well, this isn't what I signed up for. It's never what I signed up for. I'm letting you know that right now. It's never what you sign up for. Never. John Maxwell said, it's not the good days that determine whether you're a leader. It's what you do with the bad days. So what you do with the bad? What are you going to do when it's bad? So he says, when the pressure came on, it just disappeared. There's nothing there. And then the next group, the seed was sown just like everyone else. The seed was sown in. And then what happened was when that seed was sown, it did take root. Yeah, I'm growing. It's awesome. But then what happens is the cares of the world, worry, pursuit of money, all these things, started putting pressure on it. And it started pressure. Now, it's different pressure. They're a little more mature, but, but they're, they get sucked into worrying about the same stuff, pursuing the same stuff. The maturity has not gotten to the place where they've changed their lifestyle. So I want to... Before we get to the last one, I, I want to say there's a couple things that I think we can look at and tell if we're mature, if we're growing in our lives. And it has to do with the, this segment of people and the last segment of people. I believe personal growth will produce something in your life. Amen? There'll be a production from you. And I don't just mean babies. Because trust me, you ain't got to be real smart to have a baby. There's no IQ test for it. There's not like, I, there's just not. 
So I'm not talking about that type of production. I'm talking that your life is actually producing things in the context of the church. I think leaders should produce other leaders. I think we should be raising people up constantly. So, so what you see, the contrast between all the ones before the last group, before the last uh, portion of seed, is that all the ones before that produced nothing. The last one, it says, produced the harvest. So production is evidence of growth in your life. Production is evidence of growth in your life. Now, you say, well, how do I measure production in my life? So I'm going to ask you a couple questions. You don't have to raise your hand because it's going to get awkward. Do you worry about the same things you worried about last year? Are you angry about the same things you were angry about last year? Do you have anxiety about the same things you had anxiety about last year? So I look at my life and I, and I go, okay, the word of God is sown into me. It says that he will keep me in perfect peace if my mind is stayed on him. It will say that I can bring every request to him with thanksgiving and the peace of God that passes on understanding will guard my heart and mind. It says over and over again, all about his peace. The, the, the God of peace will be with me. And so if I'm looking back a year ago and I took the seed that was sown into me a year ago about God's peace that passes all understanding, he will guard my heart and mind. And I haven't personally grown to the point where I've applied that to my life and I'm still worried about the same thing I was a year ago. I'm not producing peace in my life. See, we're, we're waiting on the, on the fairy dust thing from Jesus. We don't want to personally grow, and we want him to sprinkle us every time. It's like, Lord, I don't want to worry anymore. Oh, <laughs> wow, that was neat. No, 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 no. That's not the way worry goes away. Come on. That's not the way temptation goes away, is it? Nine times out of ten, there is that one slim thing that happens, that anomaly where God comes down and goes, that's not going to happen anymore. I'm tired. I'm stepping in. But most of the time, the way he works is through your routine. Most of the time, the way he works is through the watering of the word, the Bible says, where you keep ingesting the seed. You keep ingesting it and ingesting it and not only ingesting it, but applying it to your life. So you, when you get in that situation, I remember being in situations like this, me and my wife, and texting almost every day. He will keep us in perfect peace whose mind has stayed on him. He will keep us in perfect peace whose mind has stayed on him. He will keep us in perfect peace. I'm, and I'm going, Jesus, you better keep us in perfect peace. Because <laughs> I'm telling her it works. I'm telling her the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard our heart and mind. I'm, I, I need you to make sure this works in my life and our family. I need it to work, and every day I'm going to remind myself of it. Every day I'm going to go back to it. Every day that seed, I'm going to grow it. So what it produced was less worry in my life. What it produces is less anger in my life. If you're still angry at the same family members you were angry at last year, you haven't grown. Because they're not going to change. They're still coming to the family reunion. They're still coming to your house. They're still bringing their kids. You know what I see every, you know what I see all the time? I see people get worked up about the same situation they were worked up last year about, and they know it's coming. Crazy Uncle Jimmy's coming. He's bringing his kids. They're going to tear up the house. 
It's going to happen. It's going to happen. Is the peace of God that passes all understanding going to guard your heart and mind this year or not? Maybe, maybe don't freak out around Jimmy and the kids and maybe it'll be a little better. Maybe he guards your heart and mind and they still say the same. You, let me give you a little enlightenment. You can't control them. So you think worrying about Jimmy coming with the kids is going to make Jimmy and the kids act different. Jimmy and the kids don't know different. They don't know any different. So what happens is I'm anxious and worried and angry about it. When he promises me, if I take the word and apply it into my life, I will grow to the point where that doesn't have to impact me anymore. I can be more mature if it doesn't go my way. Amen? Now, I'm not saying you shouldn't spank Jimmy's kids. They're in your house. They're in your house. But you don't have to do it mad. You don't have to do it mad. It could be different from last year. Jimmy, I'm not going to get upset about this, but I'm going to wear your kids out. I'm not going to get upset. This is what we're going to do. We're going to go, all the kids go in the bedroom. <laughs> the seed that fell in the weeds, well, these are the ones who hear, but when the seed is crowded out, nothing comes of it, and they go about their lives worrying about tomorrow. Real growth, real personal growth produces things. It produces less anxiety, less anger, less angst. It produces more grace and more mercy. It produces things that you can measure. So year after year, we should be asking ourselves, do I worry less this year than I did last year? Am I I angry less this year than I was last year? When's the last time we asked ourselves that? Am I more loving this year than I was last year? Am I more grace, am I more forgiving this year than I was last year? Personal growth produces good things in your life. All right, so the second thing that you're going to notice, evidence of growth in your life. Perseverance will be the evidence of growth. So the way, the way he writes it in the Message Bible, he says, he says this, but the seed in the good earth, these are the good hearts who seize the word and hold on no matter what. Did you hear that? No matter what. They hold on no matter what, sticking with it until there's a harvest. I'm going to tell you something. There's going to be times in your marriage where you need to put claw marks in your spouse to go, I ain't letting go. Amen? I, mean, I know there's times that can't happen, but there's times in our marriage where like, hey, you ain't getting away. You kidding me? We're not going to let circumstances make us act immature. Isn't that how it always happens? Circumstances make us immature. The mature person, no matter what the Bible says, no matter what the Bible says, no matter what the Bible says, it says no matter what. Eugene Peterson writes, no matter what, sticking with it. The word comes in, I apply it to my life, and then I don't let circumstances dictate my maturity level. I'm growing no matter what. I'm not going to let this circumstance keep me from being more like Christ. I'm going to actually let this circumstance make me more like Christ. You see, a person with a bent towards growth will take a circumstance that somebody else would fail at, and they will take it and grow from it. 
They will take a circumstance where somebody else would quit. Oh, the thing grew up and it's not as exciting anymore. Yeah, it's not going to be as exciting as it was five years ago maybe. But guess what? Even in the non-exciting circumstance, I can learn how to grow. I can learn how to be better. Even when it's not all bells and whistles and frills, and even when the car has lost its new smell, I can still learn how to grow. I can still be better. But the seed that's sown in the good earth, these are the people... These are the ones with good hearts who sees the word and hold on no matter what. James 1.22 says this. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, wherever, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If there's anything we need in our society today is to learn how to not quit. Learn how to not quit. I tell my kids all the time, you can't quit. You can't quit. I don't care if you're great at it or not. If you made a commitment to it, you can't quit. My daughter called up. She's, she's on the um, uh, varsity rowing team now at uh, WVU, and we're proud of that and excited. But um, it's tough. And I said, you can quit next year. I said, season's almost over. You can quit next year. You cannot sign up next year. You can't quit this year. And she didn't even say anything back. Because she knew what was coming. So she wasn't calling me looking for an excuse to quit. She was calling me just saying, hey, it's tough. I need your support. That's, to- that's called growth, right? I'm not quitting. I'm calling you to support me. I'm not going to dip out early. I'm calling you to help me right now. Man, if we could raise up a generation of leaders in the church like that, there's nothing that could stop us. There's nothing that could stop you. What are you talking about quitting? I don't even know what that, I don't even know how to spell that word. Talk about quit. We don't quit. We don't quit. We hang on no matter. He sowed the seed into us and the seed is making changes in us. We don't know what quit is. Read anyone in the first century church when the church was exploding that was like, wow, this is tough. I don't think I want to do this anymore. No, they were writing things like James wrote. Perseverance will produce maturity in us. It was almost as if they were asking for it. Lord, help us grow up a little bit. Help us be more mature. Help us not look at every difficult thing as just not getting our way and then throwing the seed that was sown into us out on the side. No, help us to realize that maturity is being able to persevere through things. So it's like hand in hand, like two gloves working together. It's like maturity and perseverance go together. But it's 2018. That's a difficult message. Growth. Well, I want it to feel good. So does everybody else. Romans 5.3. But we also glory in sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character hope. Perseverance is evidence of growth. Production is evidence of growth. Here's the last thing. Watch this. Let, let me let me also I need to say this about personal growth. You, God doesn't measure you against anyone else. Isn't that reassuring? He's not taking what you're doing it what you're doing and measuring it against what I'm doing. Oh, I'm thanking God for that because some of you would run me in the ground. I'm like, don't compare me to them, Lord. So the beautiful thing is, He compares to what was sown into you. Remember the parable of the talents? Well, I gave you X. 
I was expecting when I came back, you'd have Y. He didn't say, I gave that guy X and I expected you to make Y. No, he said, this is what I gave you. So even here, the seed was sown into it. He wasn't comparing them to anyone else. He's, he's comparing our growth to where we were before we started growing. So here's where I am. Lord, I'm making a personal commitment to grow. He's not going to compare me to you. He's going to compare me to where I was. Chris, this is what I sowed into your life. Now, how are you applying what I sowed into your life? And how are you progressing because you're applying what you've sowed? What are you producing? What are you persevering through? How are you making it now because of what was sown into you? He's not comparing me to anyone else. Come on, that should be refreshing because you don't have to live up to anyone else's standards but his. You don't, you don't have to compare yourself with the people that are living next to you. You don't have to compare yourself to the people at work. You have to say, this is what you sow into me, and this is what you've required of me. And so the production that I make this year will be compared to where I was last year. That's an exciting thing. It takes the pressure off, doesn't it? It takes the stress off. I don't have to live up. I don't have to keep up with the Joneses. My last name's Jones for some of you that are new. Isn't there a Willie Nelson song about that? Luke and Bach, Texas. Waylon and Willie and the boys. Keeping up with the Joneses. Four-car garage and still adding on. Stand to your feet. This last thing. Growth is your choice every morning that you wake up. You have to decide to stick with it, to grab it and hold on to it every morning. So here's what I'm going to ask you. Growth comes from routines. Period. You can't convince me of anything else. Growth will come from the routine that you have in place. So you need to ask yourself, the, the, what I do when I get up in the morning, before I go to work, when I get to work, after work, during lunch, when I, when I get home, what I do in the evening. Can I just say this? If you've been watching Netflix six hours a night, don't wake up the next morning going, man, I feel like I grew a lot. So, so the deal is, is that your routine produces growth. The seed comes in. What do I do with the seed? Well, there's a, there's a, there's a predictable cycle with sowing seed, right? You got to work to sow it in the ground and then, and then you've got to water it and then you got to care for it, and then you got to harvest it. So there's a predictable cycle with growth. So there should be predictable things in our daily routine that will cause us to grow. Amen? If we're looking over our daily routine and we're going like, I don't know, man. Like, I just... Like, one day I'll get... No, no, no. It comes with a choice. It comes with a choice. I decided to do this. I decided to make this happen. I decided to not watch TV. I decided to read a book. I'll even make a caveat. I decided to listen to a book. It's all the new rage now. I decided just to listen to a book. I still encourage you to read. It helps your comprehension. It makes you smarter than the people listening. But if you, if you set in motion the right things when the seed is sown, it's the right atmosphere and environment for growth to take place so what you have to do is you have to set the routine in place and the routine will guarantee the harvest do you hear what i'm saying so if you will set in place every day 
just spend five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes in God's word and say, I'm going to make sure the seed gets in. And then I'm going to have an application period. And then I'm going to have a reflection period. Then I'm going to have a this and I'm going to have a that. And I'm going to read a book this month and I'm going to do this. And I'm going to ensure that there's no chance that I can't grow. I'm going to make sure that my life is set up in a way that ensures that there'll be a harvest at the end of the season. It's a choice you have to make every day that you get up. So we actually did that as a staff. We sat down at the beginning of the year. I said, we're going to sit down together and we're going to make a plan, a personal growth plan. And we're going we're gonna to dictate the input that comes in and the output that goes out. And we're going we're gonna to define what it's going to be. We're going to set goals for ourselves. We're going to do all these things because personal growth is not happenstance. It's a plan. It's a routine. It's God sows the word in and then we take it and we apply it through a routine in our lives and we do the right things with it. And then before you know it, there's a harvest that comes. It's not some mystical thing that happens. It's because he pours into us. We apply what he pours into us and a harvest comes up after that. And you've got to do it on purpose. Amen. Father, we ask you this morning, Lord, whatever, wherever we're at in this cycle, Lord, maybe we haven't even thought about it. Wherever we're at, I pray that there be a determination this morning to take what you have poured into us and apply it. Lord, help us make a routine in our life. Help us to to produce things. Help us to persevere. Help us not get swayed back and forth by what's happening around us. God, but we pray this morning that the routine that we set, the growth routine in our lives that we set up, Lord, will make us different than we were today. God, we pray that the gospel would go forward because we're a group of people, we're a group of leaders who will not settle in who we were six months ago. But we have to be different to reach more people. We have to be smarter, Lord. We have to be um, have more ingenuity. We have to be, have more tenacity, more perseverance. Lord, we pray that through personal growth, through the commitment to apply what you've sown into us, that we'd be able to accomplish your will on this earth. We thank you for it. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Come on, church, could you give him praise one more time?